We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Uh, wait, wait. Yep, it's Friday, so that means it's the Friday free for all mailbag. Everybody <laughs> fired up, best day of the week. Can't wait to get started. I'm Vince. That's Brian. The OGs are in the house to answer all of your questions, football related or otherwise, for that matter. And we're ready to rock and roll. And now Brian's ready you know, to rock and roll. You know, the wife knows I'm doing a show right now, <laughs> and she still calls. Of course, <clears throat> so. it was her. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Unbelievable. Yes, That's I am. Fantastic. I am ready to rock and roll, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. It's a beautiful Friday outside, and we're ready to answer all your questions, folks. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ignore the first question that's in there. <clears throat> oh my I'll, gosh. Okay. So let's. Just I don't know what on. it is. I've got them blocked yeah. off. So. Yeah. From ND Estimate Trucking LLC. I really hope that you got an LLC out of that, uh, whoever this is. That's awesome. Uh, over under, Rico Flores, 15 receptions. Holden stays 400 yards. Tobias Merriweather, seven touchdowns. And the Notre Dame offense has at least three All-Americans at season's end. This is a loaded question. Yeah, so we're basically doing over-under, so let's take okay. them one at a time. Rico Flores, 15 receptions. I'm, I'm going to take the over on that because I have a really. Yeah, okay. I just I have a feeling that Notre Dame's going to have some blowouts where they're going to get right. those young kids in the game pretty early, right? And have a chance to get them some some playing time. And injuries always happen, right? Like, and Enrico Flores is an injury away from being a guy that's going to play. That, and I'm not talking about point. just Tobias Merriweather, but just you know whoever the next guy sure. is behind Tobias. If Rico's not, Enrico may end up being the number two behind Tobias, especially now that Lorenzo Styles is gone. So I, I think I think Rico and Jaden Greathouse are going to not just be freshmen who play in blowouts. I think they're going to actually be part of the rotation. Now, will they get a bunch of cut t- cut touches early? Probably, probably not. I mean, yeah. I would hope so. I hope they get some touches early because they're playing a deeper rotation because the schedule is a little bit softer early on, outside of NC State. But we'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over Vince on that one. What what's what say you? I am actually going to take the under. I just I I, I just feel. With the freshman wide receiver situation and just – I think I've got a little PTSD. I'm not saying it's BK PTSD, but I'm going to say 
PTSD from a situation of freshmen getting on the field at the wide receiver sure. position. I have no basis on that from a uh, from the current staff. I don't. Ha- I don't. Sure. But I just Rico Flores. Believe it, man. There's nothing I do. Wrong with that. I do have yeah, to see it. So I'm going to take. I'm going to take the under there. I think he has a ton of talent. I think he is very. Re- he's he's physically. He could do it physically. Let's put it that way. He's put together. <laughs> As an athlete, I could see it, but I'm going to take the under until I see it, if that makes sense. Completely. I'm going to give the new staff a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that they're not just flat out lying when they say that these kids are going to play. I also look at the depth chart and I say, you know, they're going to have to play him unless they're going to go like four deep at receiver this year. That's fair. I mean, you know, they're going to have to play it to some degree. I also think that the with the RPO game and different things that we anticipate being bigger parts of the offense. I, I do think we also have to see them play more. So uh, yeah, I, I, everything you said is fair Vince. I just, I, I think we're going to see that because even in 2021, you know, we saw, we saw Deion Colsey and, and um, Lorenzo styles have some production. I mean, Lorenzo styles called over 20 passes as a freshman, yeah. you know, so we, that, we've seen a freshman recently true. have that, that kind true. of production, you know, with Lorenzo catching 24 passes. Now, again, he caught like what eight in the, in the, in the bowl game, but he still had 16 going into the bowl game. Right. So he, he did have those catches. So I, I do anticipate that uh, where, where we'll see some, you know, as long as obviously the freshman got to stay healthy too, but I think we're going to see Jaden Greathouse and, and, uh, Rico Flores both play this now, year. Now, see, if that said great house, I would take the over. Sure. Because I think he's probably the first freshman in line to get some catches and some touches. Yeah. And Although, you know, I could argue, Vince, that based on how the depth chart is, as far as we know right now, I, I think that could change a little bit. But if they okay. do start Jaden Thomas in the slot to start the season off, that means Jaden Greathouse is third because he's behind Chris Tyree, Tyree as well. Too. Yeah. Whereas Rico's probably going to be number two at the field. Okay. Actually. Or the field position, which would be what, uh, which would be the Z, right? Because mm-hmm. the against me. Notre Dame right. back what they are, what it should be, which is the X is the boundary guy, the Z is the field guy, and then they call the slot guy the F. So uh, as opposed to the W and all that other kind of stuff, which they did before, which I, I never understood. Like, what what is W? Why would W be in the boundary? Like, if I think W, I think wide. I just, whatever. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Holding stays 400 yards. I'm, I'm going to go under. Yeah, me too. Because that's a lot of yards for a number two tight end. Now, yeah. if, if, if Holden Stace wins the starting job, which is certainly possible, then I'd go over. But as of right now, he's you know he he's expected to be behind Mitchell Evans. So 400 yards. Now, would I be happy if Holden Stace had 400 yards as the number two tight end? Yes, I would because I'd love to see the tight end. Per, you know, the the second and third tight ends get more production, but that's a lot for him. Uh, under you said under for you. I said under. under. Yeah, I I just I think Mitchell Evans is going to start out as the one. And I mean, again, if the number two has over 400 yards, that means that Sam Hartman's really spreading it out. Uh, yeah. I, it, it could mean that Holden stays is the starter, like you said, which means maybe there's an injury. Maybe there, maybe he's just, maybe he just got the starting he, job. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I mean, there's he's good enough to beat. Absolutely. He's good enough to beat Mitchell Evans out. Although I don't anticipate because I think Mitchell Evans is pretty good too. Absolutely. I'm sold on Mitchell Evans. I wasn't, oh, me signing him, but I'm sold now. No, I'm sold on Mitchell Evans as well as a, as a good to very good tight end in Notre Dame's offense as a Notre Dame tight end, etc. Holden stays. I just. I think he's got. He's probably going to end up being the number two when it's all said and done. And if he has 400 yards, man, that means they're really throwing the rock around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. uh, I if it was 300, I might say you know like a push. You know, in that neighborhood, 400 seems like a lot. But hey, that would be great if that was the case. Oh, Tobias Merriweather, seven touchdowns. Ooh. I'm going to push on that one. Ooh, that's the number. I'm going to huh? push on that one. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's about a good number for the for them to have as the leading receiver leading touchdown guy or either number yeah. one or number two touchdown guy. I think that's a because again I expect there to be I expect there to be more touchdown passes this season than there were last season. Notre Dame had 25 last year as for a team that didn't throw the ball very much. So right. They had 25 last year. They're they're gonna have a lot more. They had 30 the year before. They had uh, 15 in 2020, which is still a wild number that Ian Book finished in the top 10 in the Heisman just, voting with 15 touchdown passes. That's the Notre Dame stat that yeah. just blows my mind, it, it, and it always it, will. And played 12 games, so it's not like he oh, no. played eight, like Ohio State played eight games that year, right? Yeah. 2018, they had 23, 20 and 2017, 27 and 16, 25 and 15, so 30 and 14, 27 and 13, 14 in 2012. That's wild. 21 and 2011 and then 28 and 20 in the 2010 season. So I think they're going to be at least 30, which yep. is going to be a higher mark than normal. But I, I don't know that I'm ready to go all the way to like, they're going to have 40 touchdowns, right? Like, I mean, it's again, it's kind of like what you said with the original one, Vince. Like I, I need to see it. Yeah. Right? I need to fair. see that happen. You know, but the leading touchdown guy last year had nine for a team that didn't throw the ball very much in 2021. They had two guys with seven. In 2020, uh, the leading guy only had five, but again, 12 games, didn't throw the ball a whole lot, only had 15 the whole year. You had 13 as the leader in 19. The second guy had six, and that was a tight end who missed two games, right? So in 2018, your leader had four, your number two, your leader had eight, your number two had four. In 2017, that was five and four on a team that didn't throw the ball very much. 2016, your leader had nine, your next guy had five, and only 12 games. So, you know, your, your number one and number two have been close to seven every year. So it, yeah. I, I, going beyond that would be quite a jump in production. Now, is he capable of that? Absolutely. But I, I think that that just that I could see the yards and catches taking a bigger jump more so than the touchdowns. 
Okay. Uh, just because, again, he's a sophomore. He needs to get stronger. And, you know, that's where maybe a Deion Colsey or the tight ends could have a big, or Jaden Thomas could be Jayden much Thomas. bigger red zone weapons because they're older, they're stronger, sure. those type of things. But I also goes back to what you said earlier, Vince, where the ball is going to be spread around a lot more. I mm-hmm. think the running backs are going to have some t- some tight end uh, production this year. I think Sam Hartman's going to look at this offense and, and, the ability to throw the ball to different players and just be outside receivers and, and and have a field day. He also was a guy, Vince, that was not afraid to throw to the slots when he was when they were in the red zone, which is why as much – I mean, you look at Wake Forest last year. I mean, they had three receivers with nine or more touchdown catches, and another guy had six. So he's going to spread the ball around quite a bit. Uh, and so I think it could be tough for – one guy to have a bunch because sure. I don't. I mean, they threw forty three touchdowns last year. I don't see their name getting to that. No, you know? I don't either. I so I'm, I'm yeah. like thirty five is kind of more my number. So yep. ten extra touchdowns, seven. I'm going to go push for for Tobias. The tight ends are going to have some. Jaden Thomas sure. is going to have some. Tyree's going to have some. The freshmen are going to have some. The running backs are going to have some. Uh, Deion Colsey is going to have some. I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, the ball get spread around a lot. Oh, it's going to be great. I. For this one, I, I'm going to be a little bit more positive than I have been for the other two, and I'm going to say over. Uh, and I also think that Tobias might be the number two uh, guy sure. and still be over. Um, I, I I have a feeling I like what they're what I think they're going to do with Jaden Thomas. I think especially in the red zone, they're going to move him around. They're going to put him on the outside. They're going to put him at the slot. They're going to put him in motion. I think he's going to have potentially double-digit touchdowns, uh, but I think Tobias is going to be right behind him, and so I'll take the over. Not by much, but I am going to take the over, and I think he'll be the number two. And Notre Dame offense has at least three All-Americans at season's end. I would say I'll take that. Yeah, I, I would That's too. not necessarily an over-under as much. I think we kind of went away from the over-under there as more, as more of a prediction, and I think that's a fair prediction because you, you expect Joe Walt, barring injury, expect Joe Walt. I think a second offensive lineman is going to be an All-American. Now, whether that's second team, third team, that, I'm yeah, leaving the it question. Really, what I don't count as All-American yeah. is like honorable mention, right? Like that's fair. not really an All-American. That's like you were almost an All-American. Just still very good. <laughs> that's why it's like, honorable mention. We mentioned right, I don't you. count it yeah. as being an All-American, right? Makes sense. So uh, I have him there. Um, I think one of the second – one of the two linemen. And then between, between Hartman and – Audric Estime and a tight end maybe breaking out a receiver. I think somebody else is going to be an All-American at at one of the skill positions. And I know there's going to be other like highly ranked NFL draft pick type guys, but if Sam Hartman is who we think he's going to be, he's going to get All-American accolades this season if if he's healthy and Notre Dame's a 10-plus win team and he's thrown for 37, 3,800 yards. He's going to have a chance to outduel you know, some, some big right. name quarterbacks again. So he, he, he might get in there, but that that's going to be a little tougher because it's only three spots where right. linemen it's 15 with the receivers. It's like eight, six or nine, something like that. So I could see something like that. So two linemen and, and somebody like an Audric or a, sure. a Mitchell Evans, a, one of the receivers, somebody like that breaking out. If I think we can pretty much lock down Joe Alt as an all American, right? Mm-hmm. If, Sam Hartman happens to end up as an All-American with first, second, or third team, whatever, then I, his one of his wide receivers is going to be an All-American. Like, I just – I feel like it's going to be a product of the fact that he's got – his numbers are high and somebody's going to be the product of that. Remember we had that question 
somebody said, you know, how is Sam Hartman going to be Sam Hartman at Notre Dame because he had all these great receivers at Wake Forest or whatever it was. Maybe that was on Sean's show. I forget exactly what it was. But it's like the chicken and the egg, you know, were the receivers great and they made Sam Hartman better? Or did Sam Hartman make those receivers great? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and there's probably a little bit of truth to both sides of those things. But I think just logic says that if Sam Hartman just puts up really good numbers and outduels some guys and does what he needs to do to become an All-American, I feel like he's going to bring somebody along with him, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I think that they could very they could very easily have three uh, on offense, which would be awesome because I think they're going to probably have potentially two-ish on defense. I mean, that's right. potentially, that, yeah. That, that's a pretty good haul. I think the other thing, too, is the expectations for the offense are usually so low that if they are pretty good, <laughs> they kind of point. come out and, hey, wow, like they, they play. But, you know, three All-Americans is not a lot if you're talking about first, second, or third team. That's the, that's the other part of it, of um, of the conversation, too. If we're talking just first team, that I would go under on. If okay. we were talking about just sure. first team, sure. I would definitely go under on that. Because if you think about how good that that 2005 offense was for Notre Dame and all the numbers they put up, they only had one first teamer, and he wasn't even a first teamer on, but two All American lists. Sure, that's Samarja, who was football writers and sporting news, SI, Pro Football Weekly, ESPN, CBS, uh, rivals, all those others did not have him as a first team guy. Because you had okay. Dwayne Jarrett, you had Calvin Johnson, you had Mike Haas, yeah. those guys all earned different All American honors too. So it. If it's first team, I'm I'm going definitely under. If it's sure, if it's first, second, or third, then you're. I mean, look, as bad as Notre Dame's offense was last year, they had two All Americans, two first team All Americans last year. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, not yeah. it's not completely absurd to to think it's possible. That's a good question, though, man. We could have done a lot more time on these. <laughs> yep, that's a good question. Yep, I like those. Good way to start. Good way yeah, to start. We have a we have a couple super chats down here too. Okay. Vince. We got one. Here we go. So let's get to those too. Tyler Evans, thank you very much for the super chat. Can you guys give me your top three unrealistic fan bases in college football? Oh man, that's a good <laughs> one. That's a really because if if you give me a top ten, I could have probably named them a lot easier. Top three unrealistic fans. Well, let's throw some. Let's throw some out there, right? I mean, the multiple SEC teams. Cause... Yeah, I mean Auburn is to me number one. I mean okay. the fact that Auburn has. You know, chasing coaches out two years after winning titles, that, that yeah. they're a very unrealistic I fan mean, base. Texas A&M's another one. It's going like, to sound ridiculous. Um, be, oh, no, I, I shouldn't say ridiculous. It's going to sound petty for me to say this, but LSU, for very similar reasons, right? I feel yeah. like they're very unrealistic. I mean, they're going to be probably good this year, but... See, I'm, I'm looking like more big picture, not just this season. I'm looking more just overall, like who are who are unre- unrealistic fan bases in general, not so much this season. In general, LSU fans should expect their team to compete for titles. I mean, that's what LSU should be doing. They've won three titles since 2000, right? I mean, True. the expectation should be you're a really good, you're competing for the SEC West most years. And, you know, you, you, when your team starts getting dominated by your rivals like they were with by Alabama, you can understand why they get a little tired of – of some of those coaches. And if Ed Orgeron's not, doesn't win that title in 2019, he's done. Right. I mean, so I think they have very high standards. I th- I would say they used to be that way until their program proved they could win a bunch of titles. Then, then it became a little bit more like, okay, now they, now they have more validity to feel the way that they feel. 
right? Um, I think Auburn's the one for me because the reason I go Auburn and Texas A&M is because, like, you're expecting your team to be, like, this elite program, and you don't have the history of it, and you're not even the best team in your state. And in sometimes, in the case of Texas A&M, you're not even the second best team in your state. So I think Texas A&M's uh, last national title was, like, in the 30s. Let me look at it. Their claimed national championships. Yeah, their last claimed national title, Vince, was in 1939. So two years before nice. Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese, right? Because there's a history question in there today. You know, like, so if you're thinking you're a powerhouse program, you're very unrealistic. Right. Because they, they're, they're the, uh, we throw enough money at it, enough right. at a coach, enough at the players that right. we're going to win. Auburn's another one. They have two national titles. 1957 and 19, 2010. Two claimed the national titles. They only have four unclaimed the national titles, Vince. 1913, 1983, 93, and 2004. Only one one of those actually How do you unclaim them? beef. How do you well, because some some service gave you a title, and so it, but it wasn't maybe necessarily one of the main services, right? So like, and then the way that you do it, like back in the day, is teams used to some outlets would hand out championships before the bowl games. Yeah. And so, like, there was one year – one of the years Alabama claims a national championship is a year that Notre Dame smoked them in a bowl game – or beat them in a bowl game. I don't think it's the actual year that they smoked them. It's the year they beat them in a bowl game, I believe. So, there's one year where I believe Alabama claims a national title. The same uh, year that Notre Dame does? The same year that Notre Dame does. Right. Yeah. And it was a year that they played each other. I believe it was 19 – let's see, when's that? their claimed national titles? Let me see here. National championship season. So, 1973 – that would be, is a year that Notre Dame claims a national title, and so does so does Alabama. <laughs> Notre Dame beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, and Luce, that's Lou Samoji has told me that's his favorite game ever. He's he's like showed me the clip. That's the one where I think it was Tom McClements hit Robin Weber out of the end zone, and you know uh, along the sideline the there, the yeah. yeah. And but but Alabama claims it because they were awarded the national championship before the bowl games. Why would people so do that? By, yes. Because bowl games were considered different. So the coaches poll back then gave them the title. Wow. And so it, I guess it wasn't until I'm reading it here the next year, but AP didn't give their title out until after the bowl game. So the coaches poll went to Bama. The AP poll went to Notre Dame because Notre Dame beat them. And I think it, I'm reading it here. It looks like the next year, the coaches poll started going to after the bowl games <laughs> because they embarrassed themselves. Yeah, I would imagine there had been a growing cry about that before, but so uh, you know, but that's that's how you can have a, a claimed national title versus unclaimed. But other other yeah. times, like Notre Dame has several unclaimed national championships uh, because it's a year where it's not one of the main, right, the main like networks. There's like a there's years where six or seven national champions are declared. But you only recognize like AP coaches, like UPI was the coaches. There was a couple others that over the years were recognized that that uh, that have evolved over the years. Like Notre Dame has eleven unclaimed national championships, including 2012. Hmm. So I'm trying to Ooh. see who that was. Who named wow. them national champs in 2012? Wow, that's an interesting one. I'm trying to see that one. They're just throwing so, years up against the wall and see what sticks. Like, <laughs> well, it might be one of those ones that you know. I mean, they're I, undefeated. Who, who knows? You yeah, know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that one is, but uh, wow, that's an interesting one. I, I don't yes, know who no, who named Notre Dame the 2012 national champs, but the point is, is that just goes to show that like there's just all these yeah. there's just all these um, outlets that hand out titles, 
right and you recognize it like hey this is an unclaimed one but you only claim Notre Dame only claims the big ones if, uh, somebody told me one time and I can't remember what it was but somebody told me if, if Notre Dame claimed championships the way that Alabama does they'd have like almost 20 something wow. like that I don't know I don't know the specific number of that but there's something like that I mean, and if there's, so every, and if there's every 11 unclaimed what's yeah if there's right. 11 unclaimed so to speak that's right. 22. Right. right, but I don't I mean, think Notre Dame, but Alabama doesn't claim every title. Okay. Like Alabama has some unclaimed titles as well. They, they right, pick and choose. Right. Well, they have a criteria. It just it's theirs cute. is more loose than <laughs> right. Notre Dame's. Right. So Alabama has eighteen claimed and five unclaimed. If that kind of gives you a sense of 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 what we're talking about. So wow. it's it's kind of funny. I'm looking at this. There's a there's multiple years where where they claim they have an unclaimed championship. The the year that Notre Dame does has a, a claimed one. So like. One of their unclaimed championships was 1977, hmm. the year that Notre Dame won it. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting, very interesting. So, uh, good, good question. Uh, Auburn is one. So we just said that Texas A&M is another. Third one, you said LSU. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I go. Get where you're coming from with that? I, yeah, I would say. See, I, I have a hard time with unrealistic versus like unbearable. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would throw Florida in there as my third. Okay. In, when you're a team that fires Dan Mullen a year after he played for the SEC title and all, and took Bama down to the wire a year that Bama won the title, and the two years before that was a 10-plus win team, and you fire him in the middle of year four because they're struggling, you are an unrealistic fan base. You have won championships under two coaches who were legends. You were a barely 500. They were like a their win percentage outside of the spur. Because I, I talked about this in a show or a show or on the message board one time. You know, or it might have been a show. Oh, it was the show I did a couple weeks ago, the midweek rundown. Okay. Where I was talking about like you need a dynamic coach to be a title contender more more often than not. And I talked about how Florida, outside of the Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier, era, is like a 580 win percentage. 580 wow. win percentage. And they've been a football program since like 1911. Long time. Yeah. But outside of that Spurrier and Meyer stretches, they're like 580. Well, those guys were in the 800s. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're firing Dan Mullen in year four. After he went 11 games, 10 games, and then they went eight and four his second year or his third year, but they played in the SEC championship that game. And you fired him the next year, you're an unrealistic fan base. Florida's in there for me. They're absolutely in there for me. So that that would be one. You have any others? I mean, like you said, if we were to get into uh, <laughs> unbearable, that's a different right. list. Right. Very exactly. different list. And so I have a hard time differentiating, to be honest with you. So I'm going to keep my hate. To myself on this one uh because it's it's strong yeah another super chat from rob osgood guys as the head coach how would you develop an attitude of don't take your foot off dominance and especially among the offensive linemen defensive linemen a mean street y'all are amazing and sign up for the boards great intel thanks rob i think everyone should definitely do that at boards at ourbreakdown.com thank you right for that there. little plug right rob so a couple things, Vince. I think these are different things, but they kind of tie together. Sure. Right. So, so the first one is don't take the foot off uh, the gas type of thing. I think that's established in practice number one, where hey guys, there's no periods where we're not going hard, right? Because right. I've always I've always been a believer that I I never liked the whole we're going three quarters today thing. I would always say if we want to take some pressure off of them, then let's limit the reps that they're getting that the starters sure. are getting. Hey, uh, our starters are only going to get. Uh, 15 team reps a day instead of 30 or our starters are going to get 10. We're going to go the first session of team. They're going to get 
you know, five plays and then we're going to get the second and third and then they're going to get five plays and then the rest of the team period is going to be second and thirds. I don't ever want a period where, you know, like a three quarters period because right. now you're putting in their mind that it's acceptable for them to go three quarters at some point in time. Right. So I've never, I've too. never been, that happens a lot in college and, and this, where, at least where I've coached, I've seen it at Notre Dame. I just have, and I understand the thought behind it because, Hey, this is not a full go deal. That's fine. But then, Use this as a day where you're just going to get more reps for your younger guys or shorten practice. Make it a shorter practice and go Sacrilege. hard for 45 minutes, but go hard yeah. and, and limit the reps and limit the length of the practice. So I, I think that's part of it is just, hey, when we're out here, we're going. Uh, I think that there's things you can do, uh, little things like, hey, when we go from drill to drill, we're, we're hustling over there. Now you can stop and get your water once you get there, but we're going from drill to drill. And I would have practices that are just nonstop. Now, there's different times in a practice where, hey, the O-line can go down there and get a breather here real quick and get some water because we're doing special team. We're doing, you know, doing kickoff right now or kick return, and there's different times that those things can happen. But, guys, when we're moving, we're moving. And then when you get into games, you never you never change who you are. When you get into games, if you have a big lead, keep 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 playing. Yeah. Now, you you, you know, you put your backups in the game, let your, let your backup quarterback throw the football. Now, am I running – you know, a, a sprint out right, throwback, trick play type of thing. As I've always said, no, I'm not running reverses. I'm not, you know, but will I run a jet sweep? Yeah, it's part of who I am. It's part of what we do. That's part of our offense. I want my backup slot to get some some chances on that as well. But I'm going to step drop back and throw the football. If you're a team that throws the football a lot and you put your backups in the game and you just hand it off the whole time, what, how have you prepared them to go play if their number gets called? Right. right. Those kids are busting their humps Monday to Friday and they get a chance to play, and we're going to say, well, we're not going to let you run the offense. So I just think that's something that you have too. But it's got to be established Monday to Friday with just, hey, we're competing. You know, I, I like doing things where, I, you know, I, there's some things that some teams will do where they'll say, hey, look, if you're getting a handoff, you don't stop till you get to the end zone. I, I think sometimes you can do things that are a little bit, okay, that's too far because now, again, you're not doing something that's realistic. But when we do a drive, you know, we're not stopping until we get to the end zone or we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing something like this. And the other thing too, Vince, is put some skin in the game, right? Like, hey, whoever wins this team period right here is, you know, getting out of sprints today or whatever the case may be. Sure. You, 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 and that's something I like from Coach Freeman is that, yeah, that competition that all, thing. always right? competition. Yeah. So, I, you know, don't ever lose that. I do like that. So uh, the mean streak is just developed with what you demand from them on a daily basis from a comp competing level. But it's also partly just who, what kind of players are you recruiting? Mm -hmm. And there's another sure. question that we have, Vince, that 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 kind of follows into this that we'll, we'll get to. Let me see if I can find it because it was a, it was a really good question that kind of plays into this. And it was about – the killer instinct and can you can you develop that and my whole thing is yeah but it's not me as a college coach that's developing that it's mom and dad it's pop warner coach it's absolutely it's being developed way before i got here if the kid doesn't have that here, here it's a gamer here we go uh, vanilla chill asked can the gamer mentality be developed or is it just a natural occurrence of players it can be developed but not by me right. it's got he's already got to have that in him by the time he gets to me and that's developed at a younger age so, you know, those those things are kind of so recruit those kind of guys, recruit Absolutely. those type of players uh, that, that have that dom. I mean, Quentin Nelson didn't have that that the the attitude he had because of what Harry Heastan did. Harry Heastan brought out the best of him, but Q showed up with that desire to be a hard worker and a, and a mean, tough guy. And then they were able to kind of bring out some of the vocalness, the leadership and things like that. But he had that that mean streak was already there. And and uh, so I, I think you. 
I think you don't develop that. You just enhance it. It's like with anything. You, you recruit players that have it and then enhance it once they get here. I will also say that one of the things talking about, you know, don't take your foot off dominance, et cetera. I think part of that is also you put a bit, a bit of the onus back on the players too. And it's, and it's a, it's a program developing thing, but ever when I was playing and when I was coaching, you know, the starters and I shouldn't say the good players, but like the ones that understood how football programs are put together, they understood how important the, the scout team guys were and the second team guys and the guys that helped them get better every day. And when you get up to like the Notre Dame level, the power five level, those guys understand for the most part, what a program is and why it's successful and all of those things. And so I, as a coach would put it back on those guys and be like, look, if we don't take care of our business, then those guys don't get to play. And that's on you. And they want those guys to play. They want, have you ever seen, you know, like uh, on a basketball team, when a bench guy gets in, he hits a three or something. Usually the starters are the first ones out of their seats cheering and all, they want those guys to be successful. Same thing in a football program, right? When uh, a one running back scores a touchdown, the other running backs in the room are all fired up and pumped up for them, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? They want to get those guys on the field. So I put it back on the starters. I'm like, look, yeah, we're going to go out and do our thing. We are going to execute our game plan. And if you execute it with the way you're supposed to, then the guy that's been getting you ready all week long, he gets to get in and get on the field at Notre Dame Stadium and be a guy. That's on you. So I I think those guys can – I used to do that at the high school level. I know you can do it at the college level. Put the onus back on the players. It's your program. You want those guys to be successful? Put it on them. And so that's, that's part of building the program and all of that. Good stuff, Vince. Good stuff. I wanted to pull something up to make you happy. Uh-oh. In response to Tyler Evans talking about the three unrealistic fan bases, <laughs> Chris W. said, Michigan, the Wolverines, and the Maze and Blue. <laughs> it's like, that is an answer out of Vince's own heart. Like, it was right at the tip of my tongue. Very well done, my friend. Yes, it very is. Very well done. Some people said Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's fan base is unrealistic at all. They win. They should absolutely be competing for championships. They've done it in the last decade. Yeah. They've been in the title game one other time. They took the defending champs this past year down to the wire, lost. If they hit a 50-yard field goal at the end from one of the best kickers they've had in a while, they're playing for a championship again and probably win it. So they're they're a team that absolutely should have expectation. Now, if we're talking about unbearable fan bases, then yes, Ohio State's in my top five. Yeah, but if right. we're talking about unrealistic – I mean, the only way Ohio State can say that they're it's unrealistic if it's like if they're if it's the so well we should go thirteen and zero for seven straight years and yeah I mean <laughs> I mean everybody says kind of that but like they expect their right. team to be a championship team every year they expect to beat Michigan every year well guess what they've done that they won championships mm-hmm. and two mm-hmm. they went through over a decade where they beat Michigan every year so I don't think that's unrealistic at all I think they're unbearable they drive me nuts some of them although <laughs> right. I'll say this Vince. In the last four or five months, I've encountered a lot more reasonable Ohio State fans on social media and in our okay. chat. Like literally before Archer joined our show, I had literally outside of my family never engaged with a reasonable, like kind, thoughtful Ohio State fan. And keep in mind, I spent 18 years you of lived, my life yeah. living in Ohio. Actually, right. no more than that. So I, I lived there till I was, was coaching too. And then came back for a year to coach so that's 16 spent two more years 
there and then spent another year in, as an adult when I was a youth. So like 19 years That's of my 19. life, I spent in Ohio. So outside of my family, I have never met a Ohio State fan you could have a in Ohio that you could have a conversation with. We've actually had several in our chat that have had I mean, that you know a couple flamers and we've booted some people out. But we've had even more lately. I think Travis Shuttleworth is a guy that I see as Ohio State fan that'll do kind of the OHIO thing. But like in as far as he engages, very reasonable, likes to talk football stuff like that. So I'll be honest, uh, I've actually engaged a few of them on social media lately that are actually like I could talk ball with this guy. They're still the very small minority. <laughs> they went from none to at least five. You know what uh, I mean? Which is right. nice. Uh, but it is nice to know that they're at least out there. Sure. Right? So that's good to know. I, I, I like to think there's at least a faction of sane football fans for every group out there. I actually know what I think. I would be curious if the people that I've met, like Travis Shuttleworth is one. So if you're Travis, if you're there, Travis, answer this question. If some of the others, Ohio State fans – do you actually live in Ohio? Because like Archer doesn't. Oh, I think I didn't that know kind that. of plays in. He lives. I don't think he lives in Ohio. So I think that might maybe that might play in it because you're not being fed the red meat by those. Or you know, you're not in the cult. You know, you're you're, you're a cult member, but you're living right. away from the cult, right? So you're not as influenced. I'm I'm kind of joking a little bit about that, but um, I wonder. I wonder. I'm curious about that. I, curious I will also that. say I have met very sane Michigan fans that I work with on a daily basis who I've coached with. You know things like that. It's just man no, when they turn not on their Vince, they just pretend to be yeah. in public settings. When they turn on their Michigan, really man, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. They keep it in for for you know it's it's all it's it's, it's all hidden. <laughs> yeah, it's all hidden. <laughs> there are no reasonable Michigan. <laughs> that's probably that's the one thing to, we can know. Ohio State fans nice. can agree with us on, right? There yeah, are no right? reason. There are no reasonable Michigan fans. I was trying to be nice, man. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here a little no, bit. No, you're not. All right. No, I could I'm just not. see you cringing as you were saying. Oh, and, you're like, <sighs> and I've got like navy blue on right now. And All right. All right. Man, but that's Notre Dame color, man. It's true. Because see, it's yeah. IB Nation, baby. It's a Notre Dame color. Saw an IB Nation fan today sitting next nice. to me in the barber chair. Very nice. I'm, I'm sitting there. No, quick story. I'm sitting there in the barber chair getting my hair cut. And I have my glasses off for obvious reasons because they're cutting my hair. And all of a sudden, this guy sitting next to me, he's like, so how was your vacation, Vince? And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we had a nice little conversation. I mean, it was good. But like, what's awesome is you get recognized more in public than I do. (laughs) I don't know why. It was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It was funny. I saw him walk in. He kind of gave me like a look. And I had this shirt on, yeah. so I'm sure that helped. Because you rock IB uh, stuff everywhere, which all I absolutely love. Absolutely all the time. Love. <laughs> I'm a walking billboard, baby. <laughs> what I do. I told you, I'll drive the car with the IB stuff on it. I will do that in a heartbeat. Uh, anyway. But yeah, Raymond Hort Harton with a super chat says, hey, guys, happy Friday. Hope we get good news after the barbecue this month. Go Irish. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think it's certainly possible. I, I wouldn't say that there's a guy that's coming to commit. I don't believe that that there's someone right now that I feel that way, but there's definitely a few guys that I'm like, if the visit goes well, I could see I could see something happening. Yeah, I, I was talking to Ryan actually this afternoon, yeah. and uh, he was asked if I was doing the mailbag. I was like, yeah, he's like, good. I got a lot of work to do. And uh, I made a joke. I was like, oh, you got to write all those recruiting, those uh, commitment stories. He's like, man, he goes, I just have a feeling I'm going to be really busy. I was yeah. like, my man. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So 
uh, take that for whatever you, you guys want to take it as. But uh should be fun. The, the, the barbecue should be fun. I know that Ryan is very enthusiastic about the 25 class. Yes, and for good reason. For good reason. There's yeah. a lot of talent in there, man. Pete Weber. And, and, and a lot of interest in Notre, uh, early interest in Notre Dame, yes. too. Yes, yes, exactly. A lot of guys who love Notre Dame to begin with, which is awesome. So, all right, Pete Weber, the, uh, the All-American bowler. I remember watching Pete Weber. All right. Thank you for the super chat, Pete. Very much. That's that real obnoxious guy. That's always like, yeah, he's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy. I mean, bowling exciting. I mean, it's bowling, but anyway, Brian and Vince, thanks. Don't hate on bowling. I'm very good. I like bowling. Okay. There's not many sports out there that you can like eat, you know, drink pops and have a great time and still do well. So. Eat pizza, go out there and throw I a love, strike. And I love greasy pizza, so we're good. Like, it's right up my alley, man. <laughs> so, anyway, thanks for the super chat, Pete. Uh, Brian and Vince, thanks for the great content and intel. Special teams was a major highlight last season. What have you heard about the unit for 2023? I mean, honestly, not a ton, just because the two the 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 primary specialist as far as place kicker and and uh, and and. Field goals has not been on campus yet. Romy, he, he's, at least he's for the there. spring, he is there now. He's there, yeah. I don't know if Bryce McPherson or uh, Ben Krim is going to be the starter. We didn't see a ton of Bryce this spring. Right. I think we saw him punting once. So not a ton. I think the one thing that I've heard, the only thing that I could say I've really heard from special teams is how athletic they they feel they are going to be in coverage in special teams there's a, I mean because you've got the rising sophomores are now going to get more opportunities and then the freshman class is going to have some guys can do that so I think other than that I haven't heard a ton honestly but I, and I'll be honest too I don't ask a lot about it to be honest with you like right. I only get so many times and go to the well with sources to ask them for stuff like you know how special teams is usually not right you know something that I really you know, because it's it's such a do your job type of thing. You don't really need elite a bunch of five stars running down to be good in coverage. It's like just do your job, yep. you know, kind of thing. So, just not I, something I ever think to. Right. Let me let me use this bullet on this. You know, <laughs> right, right. I was going to ask about how you know the freshmen whatevers are doing, but let's talk special teams. Yeah. Yes. And 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 as much as I criti- I was critical. Or I question the the Marty Biaggi hire. I highly doubt that Marty Biaggi would be very welcome to me reaching out to see how what he thinks of the special teams. Highly doubt that one. But uh, I I will know. say from a special team standpoint, um, I got to hear Marty speak a little bit um, at the camp that my kid went to, and he talked about recruiting and he talked to the parents and you know all of those different things. And I I like I like him and and. He seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Seems like a really good dude. It, he it's understands. Not I just he understands special teams. Yeah. He was a kicker. You know, he talked about his journey and all of those different things. And that's an area, Vince, where his teams have been very good. They're very good in the kicking and punting. Right. Like, that's something. It, it, the issues have been the return game and at times the coverage. Those have gotcha. been very inconsistent. Gotcha. But one thing we have consistently seen from him is his kickers and punters are usually really good. Because that's what he did. I mean, he, he exactly. Did that. You don't have a lot of special teams coaches that were actually yeah. specialists, right? Uh, so again, and I've heard nothing but great. Th- I've heard he's a good recruiter. I've heard nothing but good things about him. It's just my job is to look at what yeah, he's done sure. and give an honest opinion, right? right? Whether I think he's a good guy or not, and right. I have my questions and concerns. I I hope that he proves me wrong. I hope that Absolutely. he goes out there and he's a great special teams coach. I just kind of looked at it like, you know, there was one guy that I thought they should have made run. A run at because of the results and i do have a personal relationship with him i don't hide that 
but I was really hoping that they would have made a run at the LeVar Woods at Iowa. I mean, they're consistently in the top 10 in special teams. And I would have been like, man, I know he's an Iowa grad. I still would have made a run at it. And I don't think sure. they did, but man, he, he'd been a good one. Yeah. So we'll see how, I mean, I liked, I saw the, uh, the Schaefer kid uh, kick a little bit. It's got a, got a good leg. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think from a kicking and a punting standpoint, they're going to be just fine. I think you're absolutely right. I think from a coverage and a return uh, aspect, the jury's still out. I mean, it's not the stuff they're practicing right now. Like that, right. it's just, not. I mean, they are, but just not in a way that you're going to be able to evaluate. Exactly. It, right? yeah, that's exactly right. So we'll, we're not even really going to know much watching fall camp either. I mean, we just don't see a whole lot of special team. We see special teams drills, right? Uh, which is always riveting, uh, mostly because we get to see who's actually doing the returning. Uh, but other than that, how the kicks and the punts, we see a little bit of that. But we're not going to know special teams until the season starts. I mean, we're just not. I want to address a couple things here, Vince. One is a comment from Archer. Oh, uh, yes. That he said, uh, he said, I don't foresee Hartman being an All-American. It's not because he's not good. I just expect... Caleb and Drake to have two spots and then someone like Travis, Penix, Daniels, et cetera, getting That's the fair. third spot. couple things. I, I get your point, number one. Number two, I, I have a feeling Drake May is not going to have the production he did last year. And it's not because he's not really good. I just – losing Josh Downs, they lost some linemen. They've got a new coordinator. There's just some unknowns, and I'm just not quite sure how they're going to be. I hope that I'm wrong because I really like watching Drake May play. But I'm, I, I've just got some question marks about North Carolina this season, uh, number one. Number two – a lot of those guys, though, are kind of known commodities where they are. And those guys t- kind of get picked apart a little bit. If I were to make a preseason prediction for All-American, I would I would probably go Caleb Williams and Drake. I don't know who my third would be right now. Jordan Travis is definitely not a guy that I think should just automatically uh, get that spot. Number one, Sam Hartman is 3-0 and against Jordan Travis, and everybody just ignores that. Number two, Sam Hartman in each of the last two years has been si- significantly more productive than Jordan Travis, the difference is, is one guy's at Florida State and one guy's at Wake Forest. So when the guy at Florida State does something good, we all talk about it because we care about Florida State. But when Sam Hartman's putting up unreal numbers and becomes a – have you ever seen a quarterback jump into the top 20 of the all-time numbers and get so little attention as what yeah. Sam Hartman has done yeah. during his career at Wake Forest? You know, and and uh, leads Wake Forest to a big ACC title, and the only conversation had is, "Wow, how bad is the is the is the ACC that Wake Forest is getting to the to the to the championship game?" You know, no Clemson, no. How about we praise the kid who put that team on his shoulders, threw for forty thousand yards, and had fifty touchdowns? Nope, that's not the narrative, because so much of sports media today is narrative driven, as opposed to just analyzing and providing analysis. You do those things at Notre Dame, however, and you're getting exactly. talked about. Yeah, and and so I I think that you're going to see that. So I, I, and then the thing that's going to hurt Michael Penix is the fact that he plays in Pac-12 and he's not Caleb Williams, and yeah. he's going to be overshadowed. I I think Michael Penix should absolutely be in the conversation. Jaden Daniels, I'm not as completely sold on because the again, the numbers aren't going to be there. I I just don't see him playing in an offense that's going to allow him to put up the kind of big time numbers you need to be an All American. I think there's some other guys that'll put up better numbers that will be in the conversation to me uh for that spot than maybe Jaden Daniels but I also I, but I also said I don't think I said he will be an all-american uh I I'm not predicting and I said it'll be harder with those guys where there's only three of them I said it'll be tougher for that but I think to just dismiss it as a possibility I think misses the boat sure. a little bit on what an all-american is and it, it kind of gets to the fact that you know he's going to have opportunities against yes. one of those guys that you mentioned 
to go toe to toe. Let's just say hypothetically that Sam Hartman throws for 3,700 yards and accounts for 38 touchdowns and he outplays Caleb Williams in a one-on-one. You don't think that there's a chance he could be a third team All-American this year, right? I, I think there is. I'm not predicting it, but I certainly there is. And, there's a and, path to it. and Jordan Travis being the first guy that gets mentioned, that's the one I and I like Jordan Travis. I do. And I've talked about him being a top five quarterback, but there's just this kind of assumption that he's going to like the guy hasn't guys own three against Sam Hartman and has yet to have as many touchdowns or as yards, total yards as Sam Hartman has had. So I just don't quite see that uh, this assumption that, that he's going to be, he's going to be better. That's number one. Number two, you know, I want to point something out and I'm, I'm David Lowe, please don't take this personally, but this is, you, you always ask me, why do I keep saying you're negative? I'm going to give you a perfect example. His question is, Brian, what record would be a disappointing season for you in 20? That's a negative question. Like, what's your expectations for Notre Dame in 23? What will it be, take for you to say they've at least hit the floor? But instead, and then that's just one, may not sound bad. But then the next question is the 22 linebackers were elite and 23 are very good. What in y'all's position do you think happened with this year's recruiting line? It's just always this kind of question. It's like, what happened? It's a bad linebacker year. Al Golden's not doing a good job. We have talked about this a lot. This isn't a new thing. I don't think Al Golden did a very good job, and it's not a good linebacker class. But number three is, last I checked, linebacker recruiting's not over with yet. Last I checked, there's still a guy out there that's a top 100 player, in my view, and in view of others, that has not committed yet and is torn 50-50 right now between Ohio State and Notre Dame. So how about we let the class play out? before we just assume it's going to suck. Uh, so what happened? Al Golden hasn't done a good job. It's a bad linebacker class. I'll, I'll answer the question, but I just, I, I just, you know what it is, Vince? And, and it's not even just about David. There's just, I'm going to do an article next week and my, my midweek rundown next week, I already know the topic. It's why I'm excited about this season because I think is what has happened in David's defense is this has been a horrible PR off season for Notre Dame. In a lot of ways, right? Tommy Reese leaves for Bama. You have the Andy Ludwig situation. You know, Matt Luke turns them down. Harry Heastan retires. Coordinator left. You know, Brian Mason leaves for the NFL. Yeah. There's been the recruiting storylines, which again, I think are misguided. Because as I said, if you flip when guys commit and have CJ Carr and Cam Williams and guys like that committing this summer, the narrative is completely different. You know, but it's like been a bad PR offseason for Notre Dame it's just like the hits keep coming right when in reality what's happening Notre Dame is no different than what happens at other places I mean Nick Saban got turned down for jobs right and you know and he hires Notre Dame's guy that all the fans think is no good uh but you know it to me I'm ex I'm very even a good friend of mine who's a very reasonable guy last night was just like man I'm just I'm not fired up about this season and you kind of get to why, and it's it's again, it's it's just the negativity that's been surrounding the program. But I'm looking at this roster, Vince, and I'm like, dude, I'm excited about this team. Mm-hmm. Me too. And for a lot of reasons, like we had some in the message board. I- I'll read you the quote that he he said. I, I gave, I did an article today at IrishBreakdown.com. I have the offensive version coming out tonight, but it's, you know, look for Notre Dame to be a, a championship team this year, they like they need stars to emerge. The the the, the lead into the article says, hey. Not every team with stars wins a championship, but nobody that wins a championship doesn't have stars, right? You need stars to emerge. 
And there's six guys that I think are capable of that at Notre Dame. Will they all six be it? If they do, then this team's going to win a championship. But I don't sure. think, you know, just they need some of them. And one of the ones I discussed was Riley Mills. And a response to Riley Mills was, he goes, uh, he's a solid guy, but nothing special. Just don't see it. I don't see the explosiveness, you know, these type of things. And I'm thinking like, you know, it's interesting how some people view certain things, right? And it's just like, and he talks about how he's not like Sheldon Day and Jerry Tiller. I'm like, like, but he produces at a much better per snap basis than either one of those guys did. And he has more career sacks coming into his senior season than either one of those guys did. And I remember a lot of the whole, well, Sheldon Day hasn't broken out yet, so he just, he is what he is. You know, Jerry Tillery is a nice player, but he just has never been that difference maker. He is what he is. We heard that before the four, the 15 and the 18 seasons as well, and those guys broke out. But I think that's what's happened is, is I, I think a lot of fans have just kind of been overwhelmed with just the constant negativity. And it's really kind of soured the outlook for the season. And I actually get that to a degree. But the more I try to convince myself that maybe my expectations are too high, Vince, I just I'm like, man, I, I, I can't not do it. Like, I'm going to go watch this game again. And it's going to humble me and make me remind me why this team isn't that good. And then I watched them like, man, this team's actually really talented. They just clean up these dumb things that they're doing. They're going to be pretty good, you know. And uh, even the Stanford game, I'm like, this is terrible. But I'm like, but I know this isn't who that team is. Right. And and so, you know, I, I constantly like I, defensive tackle. I'm doing an article on the defensive tackle. They had more tackles last year as a unit than they've had since – Mike Elko showed up right by a lot. They had, this was the second most tackles for loss last year. And the most sacks they've had or the last two years are the two best years Notre Dame has had in defensive tackle production. And a lot of the guys that have done that are responsible for that are back, you know? And so there's just a lot of things where I look at this team and I say, man, I'm actually really excited about this team. I, I really am. Uh, and, and what would it be that would disappoint me to that point, David, I think when you, to answer your question about what record would be disappointing, it's really going to kind of come down to for each person, what are your expectations for the team? And for me, anything worse than 10 and two with no blowouts would be disappointing to me. 10 and two with a bad blowout to one of the big three or somebody would be disappointing to me. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's how you get two, to 10 and two. Cause yeah, that's like if, if they go the 10 and two floor for me, and let's just say they go one and two against the big three and their competitive games, I'm not happy, mm-hmm. but it's at least a step. It's not where they need to be. They need to do better. Right. I'm not going to call it a success, but there's a difference between being some, saying it's not, it's a success or not, and saying I'm disappointed. Ten and two with two very competitive games against whoever you you know lose to be of the big three is man. You got to get better, but you know what? You took a big step. You went from eight and four to ten and two. You battled. Your schedule in 2024 is going to be much easier. Than, you know, at the top than 23, et cetera, et cetera. There's reasons to be optimistic. Anything worse than that, Vince, to me would be very disappointing. Because if you Agreed. go like nine and three, for example, either one, you lost to all three of the big teams, Which, or yeah. you lost to two of them and then lost to somebody else that you shouldn't be losing to. Right. That would be disappointing for me. But there are some people that think that the ceiling for the, this team is nine and three. So if, if that's your if that's your belief, then obviously you're gonna disappointing for you would be seven and five, something like that. But for me, I think 10 wins is the floor, the minimum floor for this yep. football team. Yep. And consider- it depends on how they get there. Right, they won. They lost eight game. They won eight games last year with a significantly inferior roster than what they're going to have this year, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Significantly, because the receivers are going to be significantly better, the quarterback is going to be significantly better. 
I think that there's more depth because the really good freshman class is now sophomores. They have another very good, even better freshman class coming in with a lot of guys that are ready to play. I'm excited about this team. Yeah. I really am. And I'm going to give my, my midweek rundown is going to start next week with here are 10 reasons why I'm excited about this football season because, and, and they're not like BS, like it's just football and I love football, like where I'm going to break down this team and why I believe this team has a chance to be much better than even a lot of Notre Dame fans think that they are. This is probably the most, the least optimism I have seen about a team in a while. And I, from, I, from I part of me just wonders yeah. if maybe some fans are just, I don't want to get excited because I don't want to get crushed again. I'm tired of getting crushed again. And I, I, get, I get that. that. Yeah. I get that. I completely understand that. I would just say, but don't deprive yourself of the joy that you get in the lead up, right? It's it's okay to be excited about this team. And if they're not good enough, then we can discuss why and they can get better. But don't, you know, you're going to feel miserable enough if they're not good, as good as you want, at least enjoy this part of it, right? right. That's kind of my, that's kind of my thing. But I, I'm, I'm excited about the team. But David, man, I, I do love you, man. But like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, man, where it's just like, both of your questions are are premised in a negative, a negative. And it just is kind of like, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So <laughs> that is what it is. But uh, I do appreciate he keeps coming back, man. I, he does. I, 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 I give him a hard time in the chat and he keeps coming back. And he I keeps do, coming back for and more. I do very much appreciate that. I do. I do. Cause a lot of people, when you, when you push back on them, you criticize them, they just tuck tail and run. But David doesn't, he comes back every day. And I do appreciate that. I do. Super chat from Nathan. Thank you very much, Nathan. What critical questions about Notre Dame coaches and players need answers before you'd give Notre Dame the edge against OSU, USC, or Clemson? Well, I think Notre Dame has the edge against USC in, in a lot of spots. It just is going to come down to the quarterback position. Sure. And the head coach position. I mean, that that's, Lincoln Riley's proved a lot more as a head coach than Marcus Freeman has. It really comes just, down to that. There's sure. there's just a, there's more knowns on in in the leadership positions for that side of the for that team. But I think if you look roster, you know, go roster and break it down, I think Notre Dame still has the better roster top to bottom. I think USC is gaining on them with the way what they've done in the portal and and some of the incoming freshmen they've landed. Certainly, I think USC has done a lot to improve their roster the last two years, without question. This is not even remotely close to the same team that Notre Dame played, you know, two, three, four, and five years ago, where their roster was like, you know, just not good. Uh, but I do, I do still think Notre Dame has the edge. And then this year, it's going to be at home. You're going to be better quarterback. You're going to hopefully you're not injured to the point where you know two or three of your three best cover players are out, which is terrible to be the reality right. when you're playing usc right so we'll see as far as clemson I, I think notre dame i don't i don't know that notre dame has answers that they need to find to beat clemson it's just keep doing what you're doing i mean you've literally right. beat clemson two of the last three times you've played and and your most recent game you you beat them convincingly i mean dominated them you beat the so and you just added a quarterback that through six touchdown passes against them. So I think the thing for me with, with Clemson is you've got to make sure that you don't allow the changes that Clemson has made this offseason to th for, to have them to now leap you. So it's not so much a, a question of what does Notre Dame need to do to get the edge. It's what do they need to do to maintain the edge? And in, in that regard, it to me, it still comes down to you've got to make sure you don't take a step back when it comes to line play. Because the difference between this Notre Dame, the, when, when Notre Dame has been able to compete with Clemson, in, in certain areas, it's 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 twofold. Number one, they were able to battle up front. 
and I thought in 2018 their defensive line was able to play well, but their offensive line didn't after the first quarter. So you got beat. Well, 2020, the offensive line played very well, and the defensive line is the unit to put that game away. 2022, you dominated them in the trenches on both sides. You have to do that, and that's not easy to do against Clemson because they're traditionally uh, pretty good on the defensive line, and then their offensive line has is, is not been as good lately. But you have to then, with Clemson, in order to maintain the edge, is you can't let them be way better than you at the skill positions, which they were in 15 uh, two in, in, in on one side of the ball. I think their skill positions on defense were better and their skill at quarterback was better in 15. In, in 2018, their just overall skill was better than Notre Dame's. Even though Notre Dame's was pretty good, it, it wasn't it wasn't significant. But the, what was the biggest difference that year? It was quarterback. And I guess that's probably that would be my third thing, Vince, is you've got to make sure that you're recruiting and developing quarterbacks at a high level. And that's been a, an issue because you're not going to be able to just go out there and pound them the way that they did last year every time. That was an anomaly. That's not – well, that's the new norm. Throw for 85 yards and run for almost 300 against yeah. Clemson. No. You try that again this year down in Clemson, and it's not going to go well for you. Yeah, you'll get beat. It's not going to go well for you. So it's maintaining the edge. And with Ohio State, Vince, it just comes down to – right now, Ohio State outplayed Notre Dame in the trenches last year. And what do you need to do? You need to reverse that. You have mm-hmm. to be able to at least stalemate, if not win, those battles. And that's a big thing. I expect the quarterback position to be this year to be one where Notre Dame should have the edge. Ohio State's got great receivers. Notre Dame's got great secondary. So the question there is, can your strengths, can your strength on defense, which is your secondary, especially your corners, can it cause their strength not to be dominant? Yeah. And that's what helped Notre Dame last year's. Marvin had some nice plays in that game, and Emeka had a long touchdown. But overall, they just didn't make the volume of plays they normally make, which is why the Ohio State offense had a tougher time consistently moving the ball. It's one of the C.J. Stroud's least productive games. C.J. Stroud made money plays, and then they beat Notre Dame in the trenches. So what you have to do is maintain that don't let them dominate you on the perimeter, but then reverse course on the inside. Is Notre Dame capable of that? That's a big question that we don't know the answer to. And that's what we talked about in the D-line breakdown we did the other day, Vince, and the O-line breakdown, or the O-line breakdown we did, I should say, is, yes, I think Notre Dame's capable of outplaying Ohio State in the trenches, but they've got to prove it because the last time we saw these two teams square off, Ohio State's defensive line whooped Notre Dame's offensive line. There's no other way. There's no fans or butts about it. Did they physically out, like, beat them up? No, that's not what we're talking about. They outplayed them. When I'm talking about whooping them up, they outplayed Notre Dame's offensive line for 60 minutes. They weren't intimidated by Notre Dame's offensive line. They weren't intimidated by. They came out and they said, "We're going. We're we're good too," mm-hmm. and they outplayed Notre Dame. And you've got to prove to me that you can reverse that while not then losing ground on the perimeter even right. more. That's that's where I'm at with those three teams, Vince.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.